Welcome to Inspired After Hours, your unique peek into the untold narratives of business leaders. We don't just talk business, we journey through their world, personal stories, and unique perspectives. Here we delve beyond corporate facades for intimate conversations that reveal the real life experiences of those who inspire us. Get ready to discover wisdom, extract life lessons, and fuel your own journey. Welcome to Inspired After Hours. Forbes, you are the author behind the bestseller, Exponential Theory, The Power of Thinking Big. You're also on a podcast called Bare Naked, Confessions of Change. You're not just an author and a podcast host, but you're also a stand-up comedian with a mission to elevate global mental health through comedy. Forbes, there's a lot going on. Let's dive into this. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm super curious about a lot of things. Um, but tell me about the book. Yeah. So um, I am the co-author of Exponential Theory with uh, Aaron Bear. Uh, he's also the co-podcast host, Bear Naked. Uh, you know, Bear, B-A-R-E. Get it? Cool. All right, we'll move now on. Now I totally get it. Now I totally get it. It took me a minute. <laughs> um, uh, Aaron was my professor at university at Arizona State. I was an entrepreneurship fellow. He was the entrepreneur in residence. And one day he came in. Uh, to class. And he said, class, this is my cell phone number. If you ever need anything, here it is. 95% of you aren't going to follow up. And I remember I was like, I'm going to follow up. You're like, I'm the guy. I'm that guy. Yeah. yeah. And then years <laughs> later, I just kept following up. Um, and uh, I was also a writer's fellow in university. And when COVID hit, um, I followed up with Aaron again. And I was like, hey, so like, what are you doing? You know, like, you want to do something together? And um, he said, well, I'm working on this book. I said, I I would love to do that. I can write books. And he's like, have you written books before? And I was like, no, but I mean, there's, there can't be that much harder than like comedy sketches, right? So much harder than, than, writing, than writing comedy. Um, and he kind of laid out this master plan that we we're uh, steadily living into. He said, we're going to write an ebook in 48 hours. Then we're going to take that ebook and we're going to make it into a book that we're going to self-publish. And then we're going to shop this self-published book around New York. We're going to go get a New York deal. That's going to become a bestseller. And then once we do that, we're going to have a podcast. We're going to have a course and an online group. And we're going to do comedy. And we're going to have a Netflix special. And we're going to win an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. And I was like, all right, this Ooh. guy's out of his mind. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, slowly but surely, he's been right. We've just been checking him off one by one. Now we have a podcast. We have a company we co-founded called the Change Agents Academy, which is how we can personally and professionally apply the stuff that we learned in exponential theory when we studied all these high-performing leaders. Uh, and we teach that. And um, now, on top of that, lots of comedy. Um, we're doing comedy all the time. We're doing keynotes just exactly as we prescribed. And I'm sure Does that- Does Aaron the... do comedy as well? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, we are part of a duo act that does a lot of stand-up together. And we produce shows around the valley. Well, it's called Arizona After Dark. So I love the after hours. We're on the same page. Awesome. I love it. Um, it's definitely the hottest show in the valley right now. It's a monthly show. We're running it out of a couple different locations. 100 Mile Brewing Company in Tempe, this awesome brewery. And then also X Phoenix, if you guys haven't been to yeah. X Phoenix. We have gorgeous, uh, yeah, apartments, co-working. It's like a membership 
it's really really cool i'm still wrapping my mind space. around it it is mm -hmm. yeah largest pool and largest hot tub in downtown phoenix mm -hmm. um not to mention all of the workout space all of the gyms that yeah. they have a wellness director named alan he's brilliant you know he curates a lot of that stuff so i'm working with them now to help bring in bring in some comedy bring in some different events because what i found um from working with aaron and then from doing the change agents academy and how we know each other venture cafe phoenix uh, there's a lot of value in building community. Mm -hmm. And I've always been a community builder throughout my whole life. And it wasn't until recently where I was like, oh, I could this I could get paid for this. <laughs> this is like this is there's real value here yeah. in building a community and helping people feel belonged. So, yeah, no, thank goodness. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for building community. My pleasure. Somebody's got to do it, you know, and the fact that you can get paid for it is really great. And the, the fact that comedy is woven in, I love that. That just speaks to my heart, definitely. So the power of thinking big, was yeah. this was this his uh, his theme for the book or? Yeah, so these are all Aaron's ideas. Aaron mm -hmm. is a global facilitator. He's traveled around the world. He's worked with over 500 companies in over 100 countries. And we studied all the top leaders and high performers at those companies. And we found out that they all had these things in common, which was essentially thinking big mm -hmm. that, you know, as they think bigger, they become more conscious. And so um, that's something that we teach in the Change Agents Academy, which really uh, the way that that kind of works is Aaron's my mentor. He's been my mentor for years now. And we kind of went through this mentorship process. And then one day I really pushed him. I said, we we need to give this to other people. Like this mentorship that you've given me, mm. my life has dramatically turned around emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, financially. Like I'm on a trajectory I didn't think I could do. I had the self-limiting beliefs. I had mm. the self-sabotage. He's the guy who forced me back into comedy. I've been doing stand-up for 11 years. It took a couple years off. And he was like, I don't know what you're doing trying to do everything else. Like, you know. We tried a bunch of different roles from being a project manager to being a chief of staff. He's like, you're bad at all of these. <laughs> <laughs> like, you should just go do comedy. It was like a don't quit your day job kind of conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Exactly. But my day job was other people's dream. You know, he was like, dude, forget the rest of the path, the what everyone else is telling you to do. And that's kind of what he's really helped me do. And then nice. building a model of how, how we can produce our own shows, but then how now I can get booked around town. And mm -hmm. uh, I was one of the 10 local Arizona comics selected for the Big Pine Comedy Festival that happened in September uh, at uh, Drop My Comedy at Chandler. So the fact that I was among, you know, the other nine top talented stand-up comedians in Arizona, like it's, it kind of blows my mind. And, you know, when I tell people that, they're like, you should be funnier. And it's like, I know, <laughs> I'm shocked too. Okay, so you touched on something. You said that working with Aaron, and I was like, is, is Aaron like a guardian angel or something? But he spoke some truth into you. For you sure. know, he's like, you're bad at these things. Yeah. You need to go back to what you're really good at. So tell me, like... Hopefully you don't mind me going off on a tangent here, but I'm so curious because I think a lot of people will be curious. Our listener will be curious. Um, so you did go through a time where you feel like you kind of lost yourself. First, oh, what happened? Yeah, for sure. Um, well, what I will say before I get into that is Aaron is my mentor. He's my business partner, but he's also my best friend. And mm -hmm. the reason he is that is because he gives it to me straight. Mm -hmm. Like he tells me the stuff that nobody else does. And it's really critical to have people like that in your life. Cause yeah. you know, for a long time I resisted it, you know, and I was like, this guy, like what, who's he to tell me this, you know? <laughs> and now when he gives me direct feedback, 
I'm like, oh, you're right. I was totally doing that. You know, like the as I've what we call in the Changing's Academy, like there's this struggle process that we're all in. Like we all love to struggle, you know, like the comfort zone. The idea mm. of that is really weird because it's not a good place necessarily. Like for me, my comfort zone was a bad place, you know, like um, and we can get into that a little bit. But once you surrender to the struggle then you kind of tap into like your what we call like your ageless genius right like this intuition that you have since you were five mm -hmm. you know there was this um study nasa had uh dr george landry go in 1968 create a creative genius test right to test how they can find geniuses for different engineers and rocket scientist positions and he did it on 1600 five-year-olds and 98 percent of those five-year-olds were classified as creative geniuses. And then he tested them over and over and over. And by the time they were 16, it was down to 12%. And then by the time they were adults, only 2% of those people were still classified as creative geniuses. So the takeaway is inhibitive behaviors, like uncreativity is a learned behavior. Mm. Like we are naturally born creative. We're naturally born genius. And then we go through life and we learn not to talk to strangers. Right? We learn to wait our turn. We learn to use our indoor voices. I just gave up on the indoor voices thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, all these different things that we were taught because, okay, yeah, that's going to make us safe. But realizing that safe and the comfort zone that we're built, it's not beneficial to the elite and the ruling class to have 98% of the population be creatively genius. Mm. That's not good for them and their interests, right? Compulsory education was created uh, mainly for the Industrial Revolution. Like, we have to create a skilled workforce, right? So by law, you have to go to school, and we're going to teach you the basics of literacy and numbers. And and that was great for a lot of things. But then you look now, you my generation in particular, like, I know baristas and bartenders with $100,000 in student loan debt. Mm -hmm. I got a nonprofit management degree from Arizona State University. That was terrible decision. Your, your face kind of, yeah, your face kind of went to like, I just ate like a bad pickle. That's what yeah. it looked like when you For said sure. that. <laughs> like, and that's a joke Aaron says all the time. He's like, until you get the sales things figured out, that nonprofit that nonprofit degree is working. <laughs> it's like, right, right. It's working great. Um, but yeah, so I mean, we can talk a little bit about times that weren't so great, but it was having someone like Aaron. Um, I, I really hope that everybody has a best friend or someone who's just direct to them, mm -hmm. you know, even when it's really uncomfortable to even like, in a weird way, give me permission to go pursue my dream, right? Like, Somewhere along the lines, I was like, well, I'm never going to make it in stand-up, you know, like, and it's crazy. The odds are against me and, like, I don't want to do the work. And then it was like, well, why, why do I have to do hard work? Why do we create hard work? Why do we like to struggle? Why do we like to do this? Like, what if there's a different path? What if mm -hmm. instead of, you know, doing all of these open mics to go hopefully get a spot at a club, why don't I just start a comedy show? Why don't I build my own community mm -hmm. instead of? trying so hard to work my way into someone else's. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You, know, you know where I'm going, right? You know what I got to bring up right now is my, my new favorite book. Let's do it. <clears throat> so have you heard of The Big Leap? I'm not familiar with that book, no. So it is very much along the same lines of everything you're talking about. So in the book, he argues that we 
upper limit ourselves. Mm. So if we have one area of our life that starts to go really, really well, let's say I'm really successful professionally, I will create chaos yeah. in my relationship 100%. or for myself financially or within my whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And that that comes from self-limiting beliefs that we attain, that we that were hardwired, coded into us before we really had any decision or any say in the matter, that something happened in childhood and we just locked in this piece of our coding. And that's exactly what you talked about with, that's what happened with that 98% genius down to 2% because that code got built in there that we limit ourselves in the way that we, and this has been profound for me, (laughs) understanding that when we start upper limiting ourselves, we exhibit certain behaviors. Right. Worrying is first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And worrying about things that we have no control over. Oh, for sure. Um, secondly, um, criticizing or judging and these various behaviors. And ever since I've read the book, there has been a fundamental shift in the way that I think on a daily basis. I've noticed I'm worrying a lot less. I have actually have more energy. And his whole point is, and it's exactly the words you're using, it's about it's about getting and staying in your zone of genius. Most of us stay in sort of this zone of comfort or excellence, right? But how do you break through to that next level? And some of the questions he asks you to ask yourself are, what do I love to do? And I feel like that's what Aaron asked you. For so, sure. so take all of the what you should be doing mm-hmm. with your degree mm-hmm. or not with yeah. your degree off the table and what lights you up inside mm-hmm. and then go pursue that professionally because when you live in that zone of genius especially when you do something professionally the business comes the community comes mm-hmm. there's this level of attraction when you're putting out that level of energy people respond to that level of energy and it makes everything go so much faster it's like compounding results right. yeah absolutely and you know that's um the second step in the change model that we have, right? It's about finding your purpose. So we use this ancient Japanese practice of ikigai, right? And ikigai is this state that you can live into to get into your highest self. And it's the intersection of your passions, your talents, and what the world needs. Mm. And so, um, like, yeah, that's a pretty bulletproof statement that I have about what my purpose is, you know, to raise global mental health through comedy. But it took a lot of time of really figuring out, okay, I'm passionate about helping other people and making people laugh. For some reason, I'm talented at telling jokes and bringing people to shows. <laughs> what the world needs, what I needed, was I needed to reframe mental health and to really you know, build that for myself. So like, when it goes to the, like, let's make problems for ourselves, I always think of that action movie where the hero's like, it's quiet in here, it's too quiet, you know? Like, why would things be going well? (laughs) Yes. This is suspicious. Let's mess some things (laughs) up. Everything's suspiciously easy right now. What does that sound like? (laughs) Exactly. I'm always suspicious of everything. Too good to be right. true. Have, Why would something go right? You know? We have a couple amazing meetings, and she's like, "Something doesn't feel right. <laughs> Something's off." <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you know, we it's our it's in our comfort zone to imagine those things, to create that stress, to create that trauma, because that's what we're used to. And yeah, it's either something that was encoded in us through education, through childhood. I think a lot of that is genetic. You know, you look at epigenetics and you look at the the trauma cycle between families and you realize that, like, I am the descendant of all of my 
grandparents, right? Yeah. My great grandparents and my parents and their DNA is in me. And I'm literally genetically coded to behave certain ways and trauma and stuff, because that's how we survived. Like the fact that we're all alive right now is bananas, not only from like the, the math of a sperm and an egg thing, but the fact that your great, 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 great grandfather didn't kill, didn't get killed in many of the wars or your ancestors before that weren't eaten. Like it's one in a trillion. I don't, I'm, I don't have a statistic for it, but I know it's like trillions like, it's crazy that we're here right mm -hmm. now. You know, it's a miracle. So I think that gratitude, um, which when I think of inspired vibe, like gratitude is just a word that comes to my mind. Like, I, I don't know. I'm sure that was intentional on your guys' part, but it's something I always think about. Like, where's the source of inspiration? It comes from gratitude. You know, mm -hmm. where does like what Aaron and I talk about good vibes? Like, where does that come from? It comes from gratitude, mm -hmm. you know, and um, so true. And you can just tell, like some people just got it. Like some people just have the juice. And I like to think that I am one of those people because like I ask myself before I come into rooms, I'm like, how can I change the energy in this room? You know, mm -hmm. what can I do to flip the energy on its head? Mm -hmm. And that's worked out for me professionally as an MC and as a host yeah. and as a fundraiser and stuff like that. Like you are holding the context of that entire night and all the content. And people only notice an MC when an MC is bad. When an MC is good, they say that was a great show. When an MC is bad, they say that MC sucked. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Unless it's you. Well, they say that was a great show. They say <laughs> that was true. an awesome time at Venture Cafe. Yeah, right? exactly. You know? That's true. And then I, I mix in my own self-promotion all the time, being like, I'm great. I know, yeah. right? You know? People are like, hey, where do I know you from? Yeah. Uh, and that's the Venture Cafe yeah. guy, you know? And I'm really lucky to be in this position that I am. Again, that's a, actually another Aaron thing. Aaron was part of the team that organized to get Venture Cafe to come to Phoenix. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, they said they needed someone really funny, handsome, and charming to be the face of it. And I was like, I heard you were asking about me. You know? Exactly. <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't think it's luck, though. I think that what you've just talked about is you finding that intersection yep. of those things that matter most to you. And then when you stay in that higher level, I call I, like, I think metaphors work really well. And mine to her is always, I'm either pl plugged in or I'm not plugged mm. into the source. Mm -hmm. And that's spiritually, inspiration, right. grounded, mm -hmm. gratitude. Mm -hmm. And when I'm not plugged into the source, I don't think, I mean, I might, sometimes I'm not even a person people want to be around, but yeah. when I am plugged into the source and I am sending out that level of energy and confidence and warmth and kindness and really wanting to pour into others rather than what's in it for me, right. I think then those things come to you. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's something that we we refer to it a couple different terms in the Change Agents Academy, whether it's your ageless genius or whether it's the super conscious. There's this idea that we are all connected in a way that we can't really fully understand, you know, and um, we talk about, you know, quantum physics and stuff in exponential or in exponential theory, but also in the Change Agents Academy. And even though I helped write the book and I'm a co-founder of the Change Agents Academy, even I can't really map, wrap my mind around how all of it works. But there is something unique, whether people call it karma, some people call it luck. I, you know, a whole tenet of my standup and probably what I'm going to call my first standup special is I don't have bad luck. And that was just a decision that I made mm -hmm. to not have it. And then that only left one option of having really good luck, you know, like, mm -hmm. were these good opportunities here the whole time? And I just wasn't seeing them or did I create them? Well, mm -hmm. I don't think it matters which way it is. Did I manifest them or did I just open my eyes to them? Yeah. Right. You know, like that's kind of how I look at it. And mm -hmm. um, to the mental health thing, you know, that's what really 
gets me excited about this because my mental health hasn't always been great. You know, um, when I was in high school, I had a traumatic brain injury and it really altered my life. You know, like I had to relearn how to read. I had to relearn how to write. I was done playing ice hockey and the doctors were preparing me for a future where I likely wouldn't go to college, you know? And even then I was like, I'll probably still get into Arizona state. (laughs) You know, But um, once, once I, that happened, it was like someone telling me I couldn't do something. So mm-hmm. then I went the other way, right? I graduated male student of the year or outstanding male student in my class. I was a Coca-Cola scholar. I got into Chicago, Toronto, Michigan, anywhere I wanted to go. And then I was like, I literally kind of had to rebrand myself. And I was like, I'm going to Arizona State because that wasn't the expectation, right? For the valedictorian in the class to go to Arizona State, Coca-Cola mm. scholar, like, People were like, are you giving up? Like, <laughs> like uh, That's a promotion for Arizona State University. I love Thank Arizona you. State University. <laughs> I owe everything that I am to mm. the decisions that I made to go to Arizona State and to finding myself. But I, didn't, I wasn't a stand-up comedian before I went to Arizona State. Um, I wasn't even going by my middle name Forbes when I went to Arizona State. I was Nick Shannon. And then I came to Arizona State. I didn't know anybody. I said, I'm going to start going by my, by my middle name Forbes. And I'm a be a stand-up comedian. Everything I learned... You rebranded yourself. I love how you said that. That's 100%, really cool. you know, and I love ASU, and everything I learned at Arizona State that serves me well right now wasn't something I learned in a classroom, mm. you know? Like, it was a totally different experience. I mean, if you're a nerd enough like I was to be a Coke scholar to get into Chicago, Toronto, Michigan, you don't know how to talk to girls, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I needed to learn that at Arizona State, right? <laughs> you know? I hear that's the place to do it. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> one of the places. To it. <laughs> and, I mean, I, you can unwind everything, you know? Like, I met Aaron at Arizona State, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the book is because we met at Arizona State, mm-hmm. right? I didn't even really consider myself a writer until Arizona State asked me to be a writer's fellow and to teach English 101 and English 102. And then I was like, yeah, I know everything about the English language, which I don't, but I said I did. And <laughs> You had to learn it twice. <laughs> yeah, right? you, have, yeah. you have this demonstrated path of um, just acting as if. As if? Yeah. What, do you, it, what do you mean by like, that? I, like, I think I understand. Like with ASU, you said... Even in high school, you said, well, I'm, st- I'm still going to go to ASU. And even with teaching the courses, you're like, yeah, OK, I can do that. Like you just sort of you just do it with you didn't really have everything and all the tools and all the skill set and all the confidence. But you just sort of you've told Act multiple as stories. If it's already happened. Yeah. yeah and you bring sure. this level of confidence and commitment to it that has unlocked other things for you. If, it's really impressive. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. And um, something that I'm working on, I actually don't have it. I left it in my bag out there. But. Uh, I have I have this coin that I carry around um, that says the end of your suffering is when you stop thinking. And it's like I made a joke about it to the person who gave it to me. I was like, oh, this is like when I had my Narcotics Anonymous chip, you know, <laughs> and they were like, way to diminish it. And I was like, no, you don't understand. <laughs> like whenever I had doubt, I had that in my pocket. And like when I get out of thinking and I get into doing, I do things that I could, didn't know I could do. Mm. Because there's a million ways to say, I'm not good enough to do that. Well, I actually, why would I teach English 101? I just relearned English three years ago, you know, right? Like, why would I go to Arizona State when everybody else says I should go to one of these schools that have a different academic reputation, you know? Like, when, and that goes back to what, how we kind of started this conversation about the five-year-old, about the creative genius, is like, I don't understand fully the gut yet. Like, I'm really... I'm really trying to discover that, 
but I know that my gut is always right. Mm. And every time my gut says something and I think something else, my gut was always right. Mm -hmm. You know, like, and I think that's part of the problem of smart people. I'm putting myself in that category here is we think we can think our way out of everything. And that doesn't, that's not a solution. It's paralyzing. It is. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's where your worrying comes from. That's anxiety. Mm-hmm. That's fear. That's stress. Mm-hmm. That's doubt. Mm-hmm. It's just all from overthinking. And um, it wasn't until like gratitude and understanding that if you can clear your mind, that's when you really reach this new understanding of yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. So like with mental health, you know, my mental health was all over the map after a TBI, right? I mean, a TBI is like no laughing matter, obviously. Mm-hmm. I make tons of jokes about it on stand-up, but I feel like that's kind of how I process it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I love to do comedy is because I think laughter is an excellent way to learn something. You know, like when we laugh, that dopamine highway opens up in our brain and we're a lot more open-minded. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like a Trojan horse of mm-hmm. knowledge, right? Like you can come in and you can just give a boring mental health talk or you can do a stand-up set and people will feel something totally different about it, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, I love that you said Trojan horse. Okay. Because I know this is like a random thing that I pulled out of here, but I love that you said Trojan horse because, like, as you said about the five-year-old, we have all this blocking behavior. Yeah. You know, we don't want to let things in. We don't trust things. We worry about things. We're keeping people at distance. And a Trojan horse is like, I'm coming in. For sure. And, yeah. You know, like, uh, what could go open wrong? the doors. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and and honestly, that's something I'm really working on right now is my own ego. Like, I mean, I still have a wicked ego on me, but you should have seen it before. I mean, nobody liked me before, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> like I just you couldn't tell me nothing, you know. Right. And I'm still working on that. Like that's mm. it's that's you don't just solve that. Right. And you realize that that's not because I think I know everything. It's a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, defense. like, yeah, exactly. It's mm-hmm. a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um and the more I play with a beginner's mind, the more curious I am, the worst my writing or my comedy or anything that I'm talented at, the worst it's ever been was when I thought I knew it all. Mm, wow. And that was like, it's it's the funniest thing is like some of the pieces where I was like, I'm the best, they never really hit. And then some pieces I was like, I think this sucks. Yeah. And people were like, brilliant. That was awesome. <laughs> 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 like, what do I know? <laughs> you know? This is supposed to make me feel better. <laughs> yeah, and you, you know, so like, so so what that tells me, I'm kind of like I was trying to kind of apply that in the real world or more in my world, but um, it tells me that uh, if I'm doubting myself, it's when I need to just let go and just trust. Yeah. When the when I'm overwhelmed with worry or doubt that's when I need to just step back and be like, it's going to be, it actually is going to be okay more so than if I wasn't worrying. Yeah. Like what I tell myself in that is I'm like, this is not me. This is me thinking that this state of anxiety is comfortable. You know, Mm -hmm. like this worry is comfortable, Mm -hmm. you know, personally for me, it's why I don't smoke weed anymore. You know, like I could just, I could never get my mind around that. People are like, isn't this great? I'm like, aren't you worried about like the impending doom of the planet? (laughs) (laughs) Amber has a fun story that we like to tell because we've known each other for 25 years. So she, we have a fun story about that. There's a good one. We, um, (laughs) we would take the last couple of minutes we have, but at some point it does have to go on the podcast. We have to tell that story. I do want to, if I'm listening to this, though, I'm I'm literally thinking, so how have you 
as we all know or ourselves have struggled with mental health. Yeah. And I I mean, there's people very close to me who do on a regular basis. Forbes, they are not out there saying, I'm going to go crack some jokes and make people laugh. For sure. That is a huge jump. So how did you make that jump? I mean, I again, I... I empathize with those people and, and the people around me who suffer like that. So, again, they're just like they just don't even have the capacity sometimes. So how how sure. you bridge those two things? There's They're literally polar opposites. They don't have the capacity other. to make a phone call, let alone stand on a stage in front of a room full of people yeah. and well, tell jokes. That's yeah. interesting. I mean, I get what you're saying there. It's easier for me. And this is something that my mentor Aaron always says. He's like, you can do the hardest job in the world effortlessly and you just won't respond to emails. <laughs> it's like, dude, I am crippled okay. by anxiety with yes. emails. Yes, okay. <laughs> you know? um, but, we have a lot in common. <laughs> but, uh, Literally. <laughs> um, you know, when I was in college, uh, my two best friends from college, once we graduated, the three of us, we were all living in a house together. We started a band together. We were best friends. We just released our album. And then in the span of the year, both of those gentlemen killed themselves. Mm. And it was at a place where, again, when I thought I had it all figured out, when I had fully recovered, when I was, I had beat bipolar depression, you know, I, I had mastered my manic behavior. And I was, you know, reflecting on all those thoughts while I sat in the courtyard on a beautiful sunny day in the psych ward, <laughs> you know, right? And I had an episode and I was in there and I checked myself in and... When I finally got to see the doctor, this is the moment that changed everything for me because I said, hey, I really appreciate the help, you know, but that whole weekend I'd sat there in the corner, you know, just like people watching, you know, and the people watching the psych ward is incredible, mm -hmm. you know, right? Mm -hmm. But it's okay. You can laugh because I'm not dead. I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, I was just judging people. You know, and so I said to this doctor, I was like, I appreciate the help, but you and I, we both know I don't belong here with these people. And he's like, yeah, man, that's what they all say. Mm. And I was like, oh, it's like a punch to the gut, huh? It was a major self check of the ego of like, you think you're so special? Like, you think that you're not going through what other people are like? And on the flip side of that, like, what makes your suffering so important? You know, because I have this dramatic story of my two best friends dying and people my age just don't just die like that. Right. And I had been at I'd done their eulogies and my funeral material kills. But, you know, like when <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> but I had like built up my drama and trauma as so special, you know, like it made me special, like it was part of my identity, you know, and we all want to feel special, you know. But are you special for the right reason, you know? Mm -hmm. And once I was like, once I decided, I was like, I'm done being bipolar. Like I told my doctor that. I said, I'm done. I'm, I give up. Like I, I, I've been there and I hate it. And at that point, I was on a huge dose of medication. And um, he said, I'll help you come off this medication if you make these lifestyle changes, you know? And they were, you know, not doing drugs, you know, scaling back on the drinking, eating better, exercising, sleep. I was convinced I couldn't sleep. That's how bad my bipolar was. And I said, yeah, okay. And he said, the one condition I have is as we take you off this medication, because I was on such a high dose and I'd been on such a high dose for eight years at that point. He's like, it's going to take like six months to a year. As we do it, 
my one condition is you cannot tell anybody that you are coming off your medication. Hmm. I was like, that's super weird, dude. Like, why? Like, why can't I? And he's like, because if the people who love you and care about you ask, hey, Forbes, have you been taking your medication? It means that, <laughs> that it's okay. not working, you oh, know, gotcha. right? Like, and so I said, okay, I understand. Like, it, I made that decision. I don't know how else to explain it. I know it sounds super flippant when somebody, when I was really struggling with bipolar, if someone was like, have you thought about not being bipolar? I would have punched them in the mouth. But I'm telling you, that's how I did it. And a couple of years went by. And somebody one time was like, you know, you never talk about your psychiatrist anymore. It's like, I haven't been doing that medication for years. And they were mad. They were like, what? And I was like, you didn't know. Mm -hmm. You thought I was killing it. You thought this medication was working great. Mm -hmm. What are you upset about? You know, are you upset that I'm not medicated? Shouldn't we just be happy that it's that it's working? Yeah. You know, like, so I, I don't know. That's probably not a long answer. I just would say, like, for people that are struggling with it, like, why is it so important to you to struggle? Mm. Like, why is that such a huge part of your identity? Yeah. You know? And like, wouldn't you rather have an identity of something else? Yeah. And if you do, just go do it. No one's going to stop you. The only person stopping you is yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh. Mm. And it, like, it, my heart just aches for people who are living in that prison. For sure. You know. It's tough, man. Uh, you feel you feel so alone, yet mm -hmm. we know that it's probably the most predominant thing, you know, right? Mm -hmm. Like, everyone's like, you don't understand how I feel. And it's like, mm -hmm. w uh, yes, I don't understand exactly how you feel, but, like, millions of people are feeling like this, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Right? Like, it is a baffling disease in the sense that it can make you feel alone while also be a bonding thing. Because conversation starters are real easy in the psych ward because you're like, what are you here for? <laughs> you all have something in common. It's got to be like prison. What are you here for? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. What are you in for? <laughs> you know. So, so in our description here, it says, um, comedian with a mission by to elevate global mental health through comedy. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about that, about For sure. what your vision is? For sure. Yeah. Uh, a lot of my material deals with my own struggles with mental health. Mm -hmm. And it, just like how when I started it on this podcast, it makes everyone uncomfortable. You know, and my go to line is like, yo, don't be weird. OK, it's a, you know, it's a true story. <laughs> you know how it ends. I'm right here. OK, you know, yeah. and you want to give permission. the You want to give people the permission to laugh at it because people feel like I shouldn't laugh at that. And I'm like, yo, that funeral joke kills. Like, what Like, what do you mean? That's a brilliantly <laughs> written joke. You can laugh at that. When we, like I said, with the dopamine highway, you know, mm -hmm. I think the biggest thing is if we can just talk about it and just be up front and just say this is, you know, the big thing for me was I had to get over the shame of it. Yeah. You know, I was ashamed. I was ashamed that my friends died. I was ashamed that I was alive in a weird way, you know. Survivor's like, guilt. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, and I carried that shame for so long. And shame is uh, wicked in the sense that it can control all your emotions and just let you feel the ones that it wants you to feel, right? You know, like, I remember I only felt rage for the longest time, you know, and I was a comedian. So can you imagine, like, how yeah, well that worked I heard worked that's out? pretty common, though, with comedians. I, you know, I don't know if I'm funny because I'm messed up or if I'm messed up because I'm funny. <laughs> you know, like, that was a joke I used to tell. I don't believe that anymore, but... It, there is something about like we want to laugh mm. because we all have something traumatic that we don't want to talk about. But when they're laughing about it, I can relate to it mm. and I can laugh. And it's OK that I'm laughing because that's not telling everybody that I'm dealing with something. That's me laughing at a comedian. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You know, like 
And so what I want to do through comedy, I think that laughter is the most sophisticated form of communication. And I think second to wisdom, it is the thing that makes us the most uniquely human. Wisdom is the ability to under, to essentially read a room, right? To read emotions, to understand and to act intuitively. Mm -hmm. Comedy and laughter is the most nuanced form of communication because you have to be emotionally attached to somebody that you've never met before and tell something that strikes them so hard to their core that they literally give an emotion back to you like laughter, mm -hmm. right? And I don't know if you've tried chat GPT and jokes, but my job is safe, dude. Like, <laughs> chat Not GPT funny. can't do that. <laughs> and I think the more that we... And the other thing, too, sometimes I'm not even sure if I'm funny as much as I'm sure that that may have been the first time all week mm -hmm. that person was present because yes, you're not allowed to be on your phone. You're not allowed to talk. You have mm -hmm. to sit there and listen to me. And for many of us, we live unpresent lives. And, you know, you go your whole week without ever literally being in Where the moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so is it... Am I funny or are you just paying attention for the first time and you love it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're like, I'll take either one. I mean, yeah, it, it, it works either way. I, I, don't, I don't question it. But, it's um, a t-shirt. I think yeah. it's a t-shirt. Am I funny or are you just present for the first time yeah. this week? So I think I think we can we, we can we can if we can all just be a little bit more present and realize that right now is the most important moment of our lives. It's the only moment that matters, not memories of like when you got married or your kids or the future dreams that you have. It's right now. It's mm -hmm. right now here in this recording studio. Like this is the most important moment of my life. And that's when we started the conversation about how do I change the energy in this room? I come into it like that. Like mm -hmm. I give everything my all because it's the only thing I can control. I can influence other things and I can eventually make an impact beyond that, but I can only control this. And what I, the only thing I can control is my thoughts, my habits, the stories I tell myself and what I'm focused on. Those are the only things I can control. And if I just keep dialing in on those, on my mm -hmm. thoughts, my habits, the stories I'm telling myself and the obstacles or opportunities I'm focused on, if I just keep focused on that, that's what I can control. The rest of my life opens up. Mm -hmm. Did I manifest it? Did it appear? Was it always there? I don't know because it's outside of my control. It may be in my circle of influence and ultimately my circle of impact, which is what I want to do, help other people who are going through this, raise their mental health, impact them. I can't, I can't control anyone else's mental health. Mm -hmm. I can influence it or I can impact it by focusing on my thoughts, my habits, the stories I'm telling myself, and the obstacles I'm focused on. Dude. You are so inspiring. Thank you. I had no idea. I mean, well, we see you. No, I know. At I Venture look like a Cafe. moron. I get it. No, not at all. <laughs> Actually, before I had ever been to Venture Cafe, I, I followed the social media and I was like, this guy's cool. Like they found somebody to actually make some a networking event cool, which Thanks. is pretty, I appreciate it. pretty hard to it, do. It's a but actually team, there's but yeah. yeah, there's a lot to Venture Cafe that really is like a deep value that that it offers to Building so community, man. Come. Every yeah. Thursday, 850 North 5th Street, yeah. 5 to 7, free to attend, free parking, two free drinks. You already know. <laughs> two free drinks. <laughs> the deal. Free drinks. But I really want to end on, dude, you dude. are so inspiring. Thank you. Thank you for coming on Inspired After Hours. I yeah. appreciate it. Thank you for, we appreciate you. Thank you for your candor. And thank you for, thank you to Aaron. Yeah. Aaron is. For sure. Aaron is he's a He's done deal. a lot for me and he's really helped me. And um, 
if people are interested, they can check us out. We're the Change Agents Academy. Change agents are people that transform themselves personally and professionally and the people around them on an organizational level. And uh, I'm proof that it works. Yeah. I assume there's a website. Is there a social media? Yeah. It's really complex. It's changeagentsacademy.com. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, we're change agents. Uh, he's Aaron Bear on Instagram, A-R-O-N-B-A-R-E. I'm Forbes 5 Hundo on Instagram, <laughs> F-I-V-E, Hundo. <laughs> 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 awesome. Awesome. Thank yeah. you so much. No, thanks for having me. This is a lot of fun. Thanks, Forbes. That's a wrap for today's journey on Inspired After Hours. We hope our conversations have offered you unique insights and ignited your own aspirations. Remember, every story we share is a beacon of wisdom meant to inspire your own path. Stay with us as we continue to delve into the lives of successful leaders. Subscribe to stay tuned and join us next time on Inspired After Hours. Until then, stay inspired.